Welcome to Everything Under the Moon with Mel and Stell. And this week, we are going to be reading and discussing what I consider to be the most chilling missing 411 story ever written. You just wait. Sometimes this story gives me nightmares. Even more chilling is how many people seem to have similar stories about mysterious, foreboding things out in the woods. Uh, this was originally posted on Reddit, and the number of people in the comments, and just people in general, that have a story like that is kind of terrifying. So when we originally sat down to record this show, we had no idea that it was going to become a show. Somewhere <laughs> along the line, we kind of got lost in the flow, and this uh, happened. <laughs> and uh, we decided it's worth hearing. So, But you're going to need a little bit of context before we drop you in. In order for everything to make sense, you'll need to know what the airport bathroom story is. This is an alien abduction story from the book Sight Unseen by Bud Hopkins and Carol Rainey. This is the book we covered in our show last week. Uh, it's pretty damn awesome, so you should go check it out. Definitely. <laughs> Essentially, a woman goes into a bathroom after landing at an airport, and uh, she reports that the sinks wouldn't come on, even though they're working for everyone else. And she attempted to ask a few women in the bathroom to help, but no one paid attention to her, as if she was completely invisible. Although she thought that only five to ten minutes had gone by since she left the plane, it actually turned out she was gone an hour and 49 minutes. Her luggage was completely alone on an abandoned carousel, and her friends were sick with worry. This story is typical of many other cases mentioned in the book, and if you're interested in hearing more about it, you should check out last week's show. And now let's jump into the recording that we started originally, which is now an episode. <laughs> Enjoy! Are you ready? And we're recording. Hey, Mel. Hey. Do you remember uh, that airport story that I like to talk about all the time? The one where the lady's invisible? Yeah. Yeah. I have a similar experience from a bathroom that I wanted to share with you. Okay. Um, I wanted to I want to say that this was also at an airport. So when I came out of the stall, I couldn't get any of the sinks to turn on. So I was waving my hands in front of the whole row of five sinks. And I was slowly getting like more and more perplexed because no matter what I did, I couldn't get the water to start running. Um, but then a petite blonde woman, like in this nice coat, came in while I was waving my hands in front of the sensors. And I looked at her um, over my shoulder, like in the mirror. And I just said, can you see me? And she laughed and said she could. And it was almost as if she completely understood the context of like what I was trying to say. Like, like she totally... Had saw everything go down? Yeah, or like maybe she understood, like, I, I don't know. I didn't hear her come in. I don't know how long she'd been standing there. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I noticed her in the mirror, I just looked looked <clears throat> up and said, can you see me? And she said, yeah, I can. And then uh, she walked up to the sinks, I think, and washed her hands maybe. Yeah. And uh, then the next sink I walked up to, I was able to use it. Weird. Yeah. And then... um. That's all I really remember about that story. But, uh, you know, when I think about it, the reason why I even remember is I just thought it was really funny. It was like this funny moment that I had with a stranger where, you know, I'm like, 
almost looking must be looking like a pantomime or something. Yeah, and I wonder I know so little about physics, but wonder if there's something in quantum physics that can like explain the fact that for a split second or, you know, many million split seconds in a row, you your your molecules cease to exist where that sensor also existed. And I don't, is that even possible? Who knows? Oh, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, that's actually a point that's brought up in uh, Sight Unseen, like, mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, and usually, and they spend a lot of time in the beginning of the book really diving into these explanations of, like, the nature of reality and the the science that kind of screws with what we know to be true or what, what we come to accept as a given about the universe. And mm -hmm. uh, they... Ultimately, I think, suggests that we really are just a set of molecules vibrating at a certain frequency. And the things that feel solid to us are only the ones in which our vibrations interact. And that the multiple dimensions of the universe are essentially all stacked on top of each other at the same time, but at different levels of vibration. So okay. it and they they do explain some they there's a few scientific experiments that they explain that could potentially demonstrate that that is possibly the nature of reality, um, and I will get into that when I have it in front of me, like when I have more in front of me. Well, I believe it, and that's I think what I was trying to get to. It's like I know there are theories that that could happen, where that could be real, and I don't doubt people's. Can I just ramble a little bit? For sure, go ahead. I don't, I don't doubt people's personal experiences. Like, I'm inclined to believe every person that comes forward to me. And after I, you know, maybe evaluate, like, what their intent is for telling this story and take some context in, then I evaluate it. But from, like, the two stories I've heard about people being invisible, I kind of believe both of them. I mean, you are one. And the Thank other you. is from this book, Sight Unseen, and it seems pretty well backed up. Going back to the bathroom story, um, my bathroom story, this, the lady that was there that came in behind me, you know, she kind of, when I think back on it, it gives me the creeps, especially since, like, when I read that, I read that story um, from Reddit that was posted like three years ago in the missing 411 subreddit, uh, talking about that woman in the red coat. Oh, yes. Oh, I love this story. It gives me the creeps. So you think, oh, okay. You mentioned your lady had a coat. What did her coat look like? Hers was like a checkered coat. Oh, like it was a like black coat. and white. It, it wasn't like quite like a oh, houndstooth. It was like maybe a gingham like a textured gingham pattern. And she was blonde? Yeah, she was blonde, petite. Wow, petite blonde people freak me out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, yeah, let's talk about the red coat story cause I, because I love this so much. Yeah, this was posted by, it looks like his name is Justa 33556 and it was three years ago in the Missing 411 subreddit. And the title is, I believe I was almost snatched. Here's what happened. 
I had a very strange experience 12 years ago in Starved Rock State Park, Illinois. It was so bizarre at the time, I never discussed it. I began reading the missing 411 stories a few weeks ago and realized what I encountered fits into the missing 411 profile. Additionally, since many of the missing 411 stories border on the unexplainable and bizarre, I feel what I encountered was not unique, that it was part of an actual phenomena. Here's my story. I was visiting my GF in Chicago. On a sunny and calm winter day, we decided to go for a hike at Starved Rock State Park, Illinois. That is a mouthful. I'm an avid hiker, and being on leave from Iraq, I wanted to take in some cool, fresh air. We hiked the park for several hours. In late afternoon, we started heading back to the car. About a half mile away from the parking lot, we came into an area where tree branches were broken and pulled towards or over the trail. Most of the branches were broken high up, I'd say eight feet and more off the ground. I'd lived in Washington before going to Iraq and knew something of Sasquatch areas, so I told the GF it looked like a squatch area due to the branches broken off up high and pulled over the trail. That's about the time things started to get strange. Soon after mentioning this, I felt like someone was staring at me. It's like if you go in a room with a lot of people and someone's focused on you, you get an uneasy feeling and can't tell you're being watched. It was like this, but stronger. I started to look around to see who was watching me. It was winter and the forest was visible in hundreds of feet in all directions. There was a group of walkers several hundred feet behind us and no one in front of us, but I saw no one staring at me. As we passed through the Squatch area, I began to have the feeling someone was behind me, following us. I looked around and listened, but saw and heard nothing. There was just the people 400 feet or so back on the trail, and they were talking amongst themselves. They weren't looking our way. The sense of someone being just behind me was persistent, so I kept looking behind me. I'd say at least twice a minute. But there was just the group way back. The feeling of being watched is one thing, but feeling like someone is close behind you is something else. It's more disturbing. I told the girlfriend to go further in front of me and let her go about 20 feet in front because I had a strong sensation of a nearby presence just behind us. So I turn around and not more than 30 seconds since the last time I looked back, there is a woman there. She was walking but coming up on me fast. There was something way off about her speed. She was walking when I spotted her, but her speed was much faster than her gait. It was as if she was on a people mover escalator like in an airport. She was coming up fast and was, I'd say, no more than 15 or 20 feet behind me when I saw her. I was rather alarmed and glared at her. She stopped when our eyes met. I gave her a look like, what the fuck are you doing coming up on me like that? We stood there staring at each other. Neither of us moved. She had her head cocked back to her left and looked at me from the corner of her eyes in a slightly alarmed, you caught me type of look. She was completely normal looking like a local Chicago lady, late 50s, wearing a bright red winter coat, gloves, slacks, etc. In hindsight, there are a few other things besides her speed which stand out. 
The first thing is that there was no sound, no footsteps, no rustling in the woods, nothing to tell me to turn around other than the strong sense of something behind me, which I'd had. At the speed she was moving, she would have had to have been running hard, but I heard no footsteps. She was not breathing hard and her mouth was closed. Her gait was a walking gait. She was not running. However, she was moving towards me at a running speed. I mean fast. When she stopped, I'd say she was less than 20 feet from me. At the speed she was moving, in one or two seconds, she would have been on me. The next thing that stands out is her features. She had no distinguishing features. None in her hair, skin, or clothing. No shadowing or skin hues, dimples, etc. As a formal arm, former army criminal investigator, I know to look for distinctive markings on people and clothing. There were none. I'd estimate her height at 5'10". Her clothes were uniform coloring and indistinct. It was like she just stepped out of a department store. Her bright red coat was pristine with a uniform hue to it. There wasn't even shading, which there should have been given the clear sky and low sun. After staring at each other for, I'd say, five to ten seconds, I felt like I'd gotten my point across, so I turned around and continued walking. The girlfriend had not noticed anything and had continued walking. I took about three steps and realized there was no way she could have come up from that group in the thirty or so seconds since I'd looked back. There was also nowhere to come from on either side. Visibility at that point was hundreds of feet all around. I said to myself, no way, and spun back around. She was gone. Simply vanished. I checked the group behind us, and no one had a red coat on or was looking at us. There was no one else around, and there had been no sounds other than my footfalls. The woman just vanished. From that point, it took, about, uh, took us about ten minutes to reach the car. For the remainder of the walk, I did not feel like I was being stared at or followed. I've never been back to Starved Rock State Park and have no intention of going back. The whole thing was bizarre. How was I supposed to tell anyone about that? So I never have. My mental state was fine. I have a high IQ and a 20-year career in a STEM field following Army service. <clears throat> at the time, I'm going to just go ahead and stop right here. I don't think that any of this is important for okay. the rest of it. Yeah. Can I just... <clears throat> yeah. Holy shit. Um, okay. What gets me about this story so much is you get the feeling that this woman was going to take him somewhere. Don't you get the feeling that, like, he keeps saying, like, she was going to be on me? Yeah. Like, he even uses the language of, like, she was coming to get me. And... What is cloaking as a as an old lady? You know, I mean, because that's obviously what he's implying, that her clothes are pristine and they don't even look correct for the sunlight. So they're probably not of this world. And, you know, the non-uniformity could also be a cloaking type of device. I don't mean device as in like a physical device, but you yeah, know what I sure. mean? A science of some kind. Um is this like a predator type thing? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it just. I think oh. you hit the nail on the head right there. I think the most, uh, the most compelling uh, part of that story or like that account is, 
how he talks about this sense of feeling like he was being hunted. I mean, that is something that all, I, I think like not all, maybe obviously not all, but you know, most members of the animal kingdom have that innate sense of, you know, feeling hunted, like maybe not the predators, but do you get yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, I have a story like that. Can I tell it? Yeah, it's absolutely. So I once, I grew up in Southern Pennsylvania and I was hiking along the Susquehanna River, which I don't know if that's a squatchy area. I've never really looked into it, but that's what I suspect was going on. But I was hiking by myself like an idiot. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just wasn't that smart myself. Now I can go hiking by myself and be safe. But like I didn't bring a first aid kit or extra water or anything. And it was this trail where you you basically parked at the end of a, a road and then walked half a mile down an uncut, like unsupervised now trail, like old depreciating road. Yeah. And then you climbed over an old bridge, like a rusty old bridge oh, that didn't, it. it wasn't made to walk over. Creaky? Like you're just like, it's not creaky, but it's rusty and you have to like balance on the beams kind of. Um, oh, and it goes over it. a creek and then you have to walk across the creek and then the trail goes up. Like, wait, so you go over the bridge and then you have to walk across the creek? Yeah. But you can go down to the creek. It's just harder to cross there. It's a whole thing because, you know, the water seasonally. It changes. But anyway, at the time I went, the water was too high. So I had to walk across the bridge. And uh, it was it was late summer and it was evening. So a thunderstorm was coming in as it usually did at that time. Like, you know, a heat thunderstorm where it's just like yeah. thunders for a couple hours before it actually rains. And so it's like thundering. And that's my favorite type of weather. So that's why I went hiking. I was like, fuck, yeah, it's going to rain. Like, I don't mind hiking in the rain at all. Is it like dusty? afternoon pre-rainstorm mm, that's just like, the best oh it's the best type of vibe i like that feeling too yeah <laughs> anyway so i'm i'm hiking up this hill and it kind of weaves you know it's like a deciduous forest weaving in between this little bouldery tiny creek and there's these big limestone slabs that just like come out of the creek sides sometimes and they almost create caves they're not true caves but like you know, overhangs that you can hang out under. Like rock climbers would love it, I'm sure. But I was just a, a kid. And so it starts raining is what I'm trying to get to. <laughs> it starts raining and I hide underneath one of these overhangs. And I had to walk off the trail a little bit to get to this one because it wasn't on the marked trail. But I could see the trail from where I was. So I thought I was fine. And I hang out there for like 10 minutes and I just get this feeling... I'm going to start tearing up. And this always happens to me when I'm describing real experiences that Ooh. did freak me out. Like uh -huh. I freak out again because I'm an empath and I can't not. We're all with you. Yeah, it's OK. I'm safe. Give us the real tea. <laughs> um, so I was underneath this like overhang and I had I wasn't very well dressed. I had a like a tank top on and a rain jacket. And I was previously sitting on my rain jacket so I uh -huh. could sit in the ground and I just started to feel really freaked out. Like the hairs stood up on the back of my neck. I got like goosebumps. And I just got the feeling that something was hunting me. Like something is watching you and it it's noticing you. Absolutely. And it freaked me out so much. I mean, I got up. It was still thundering and lightning out. And I, I used to have this fear of being struck by lightning. Yeah. I don't know how rational 
I don't know how often people actually get struck by lightning. I think it's but an eight. I think it's an eight. Like, I was in a place where there were definitely trees taller than me, so I was probably fine. But my, I don't know if my parents did that to me or what, but I was afraid. So I wasn't going to walk around in the lightning storm, but that's how freaked out I was. I put on my jacket and I remember, I hate the feeling of a wet rain jacket on your arms. And I had that, but I was, I'm just trying to explain how uncomfortable I was, but Uh I still decided to keep hiking because I had like two miles out still. And, um. So I just get this, oh, this horrible feeling. I picked up my bag. I remember I jumped across the creek and uh, just ran back to the trail and I just started hiking as hard as I could. And it was all uphill from there because you hike down to the creek and then back up. And I was in the creek bank under the overhang. And it, the feeling just never went away. I mean, it followed me up the hill and it was like, I mean, I kept turning around. I, I kept stopping and turning around and listening and I felt like a deer You know, I mean, I used to hunt deer when I was a kid. Like, that's exactly what deer do when you're trying to hunt them is they stop and they they look around and they listen and then they go back to doing what they were doing. And that's what I kept doing. And I was so afraid. I just knew. I mean, we have mountain lion. What? Prey. Yeah, I felt like a rabbit, like a piece of prey. (sighs) And I we have mountain lions in southern Pennsylvania. And so I thought at that point, that's what I thought this was. I thought there was a mountain lion nearby. And I was smart enough to know that your body has a reaction to something. And so I knew, like, I wasn't panicking. Like, I wasn't running away thinking there was a serial killer. But I was like, I felt like an animal. You know, like I was doing animal stuff. I was like talking as I was walking to myself. I was like, everything's going to be okay. Because <laughs> there's not a mountain lion here today. <laughs> like, I just couldn't. I was like hitting my walking stick on trees you know i was doing yeah. what i thought like boy scout stuff yeah that, that i thought would help Ooh. and uh Wait, what is your official advice for like a mountain lion feel, if you feel like you're being predated upon in the woods i think that's exactly what you should do i think you should make as much noise as you can show as much intelligence as you can like if you have fire fucking use it like you know, pick up a log, swing it around. Like, I don't know. I mean, are you talking about like a Sasquatch or are you talking about like a no, paranormal I'm thing? Just or? If you just feel if you are out in the woods and you feel that feeling, what do you do? That's the best I can offer is making like yourself it. look big to scare that thing away. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my fight or flight is to fight. I don't ever really choose the flight option and I don't think you should run either. But that's what I was doing <laughs> when I was doing this. Okay. And I remember like. I'm walking. I'm, I mean, I know I'm coming close because I can see the sky now. Because when you're down in a valley, you can't see the sky when you're hiking up. I'm, you know that because Alaska, I assume. But like for people who d- didn't grow up in the mountains, like sometimes you don't, you think you might be lost because you can't see the end. And in the Midwest, that's not a thing. Anyway, I'm rambling. This is no, I know, pointless. no, absolutely, no. This is this is. I I want to know what happened. And I just I'm trying to evoke this feeling that I had of like I really thought at some points I was convincing myself I was lost. I was a little disoriented. I was panicking. I had physical sensory reactions to something in the environment like You're, something yeah. made me panic and it, and the lightning like i should say that the lightning or hormones or something or, right that you uh, can smell what is the thing that or... sasquatches have it's sonic something or ultrasound Infra- it's like this infrasound? infrasound yeah they can they're supposed to be able to emit infrasound that makes you it's called zapping you it makes you panic like this what? and i'm not i don't know if this is what happened to me but it's a possible crazy explanation so wait, wait, wait I, this is the part that sells me so okay. that might sell you. So I, I 
I'm able to finally see my end point and I get to a point in the woods where there's a big cutout for like those electricity things, you know, uh-huh. the giant yeah. towers that look like yep. square men. Uh-huh. And yep. it's like a big swath. It's like a 50 yep. foot swath of woods Absolutely. they cut. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking into that clearing and it all fell away. All of it was gone. Like I felt like my normal self again. I felt like I could pick up my legs again. Like I felt energized and I realized that I had felt fatigued. I hadn't realized it. Like, you know, the chills went away. All the freaks went away. Everything was fine. And I just was able to, I slowed my pace down and I I had to walk back into like a little pine forest right before the parking lot. But I remember, and I remember looking over my shoulder, but I never felt you know, at that point, I no longer felt in danger. And I think that that was the point where I had had reached whatever was looking at me and making me feel this way. I had reached its limit of following me. And it wasn't going to follow me past that point, maybe because it didn't want to come into the clearing itself, you know. So that went on really long. But that's my, my one story. And then so as I got into Sasquatch, uh, research in the last couple of years, I kind of feel like that might have been what happened to me. I mean, maybe there was a squatch that I that I stumbled upon, you know, or it watched me come in and I just I strayed too far, and it wanted me out. I don't know. I mean, that's the I tend to ascribe the way I can justify believing in Sasquatch is by ascribing animalistic properties to them. Do you know what I mean? So I'm thinking of how a predator would react to wanting a smaller life form out of its out of its area you know like mice what do we do we just like scare them away with cats you know <laughs> i mean we we just we use our brains to outsmart them they don't hurt you i'm just still stuck on the whole sasquatch sasquatches are able to create infrasound and well, they can use that to zap you like so I, theory, i'm like wait well we can talk about what? it a little bit so this theory comes from a good friend of mine, Kyle. He actually said he'd come on sometime. He's oh, my sweet. Sasquatch guru. Perfect. Um, he got me, he really kind of introduced me to it and got me into it. And I still talk to him all the time when I have questions. Tigers exemplify this in the wild and other big cats. They are able to produce a sound with their vocal cords that we can't hear, but that we can feel, you know, like a low bass at a stereo. The e flat. At, at a concert. Is that what it is? I think yeah. it's E flat. And it makes... Tigers use it to to hunt. You know, it makes your prey freak out and like put it in a daze. And uh, that's the theory this. is that Sasquatch is putting us in a daze mostly so that we'll go away. You know, I think that's the intelligence of if Sasquatch is real, I think it's got to have intelligence. I think and the I think fear, that's though, is that it's a rogue it. one, too, because if there's if there's a Sasquatch that's getting. Oh, we're going to talk about rogue Sasquatches. Yeah. Okay. I've got because I mean, story. they're like normally like I, there's like there's like a chaotic neutral sasquatches yes. and like there's lawful e- sasquatches unlawful the they, lawful they, ones are the ones we don't see yeah <laughs> so i because so what i'm thinking is if if a sasquatch is making you aware of its presence you've either somehow wandered very deep into the woods indeed or there's some reason that they've allowed this to happen for, for you to get that close so i would automatically assume that it's a rogue sasquatch well i think that Okay, so <laughs> Astonishing Legends, 
Shut up. Okay. They say this all the time, and I'm going to steal it, wholeheartedly steal mm-hmm. it. And if they get really upset, I will stop using it. <laughs> but they say, if you believe in any of this at all, and then they go on to explain their weird-ass thing. So if you believe any of this at all, that a Sasquatch was there zapping me, and you know we're trying to figure out its intentions, I would am inclined to say that um, it was curious. You know, these are primates, mm-hmm. and I think they are curious. And... Um, I think that they watched me and just let me let me roam as as I might. I mean, obviously I was safe. Like I I came out unscathed and nothing hurt me. And um, I think that I maybe just wandered a little too close or, you know, maybe maybe also it wasn't necessarily something they were trying to do. Maybe it's some way they what I'm trying to say is I don't think there was ill will or that it was a rogue or anything like that. I think that I just got too close because we're both primates who are curious and we had a chance, you know, clash, and that was how they reacted to me. And I don't know if it was to make me go away or if that's just how they react to humans. Hell, maybe it was trying to communicate. Maybe that's what, you know, I mean, if we're different species. Like, it's like, how do dogs communicate with us? Recording. The whole thing was bizarre. How was I supposed to tell anyone about that? So I never have. My mental state was fine. I have a high IQ and a 20-year career in a STEM field following Army service. At the time, I was working a DOD IT contract in Iraq. I was well-rested and relaxed being on vacation with the GF. There were no drugs or alcohol involved. These are strictly prohibited in my line of work and were grounds for immediate termination under MNFI's GO1, which which I was subject to at the time. (laughs) <laughs> okay, my microphone is on mute, so I thought it would be okay. It's really loud. I'm just going to grab a bunch and put them on my lap, okay? But I'm going to leave my microphone on mute while I chew. This is doing a great job. It's like, it's really good. <laughs> the end of that sentence is um, G01, which I was subject to at the time. I've carried this experience around for 12 plus years, being unable to talk about it because it was so exceptional and unexplainable. It's a relief to read similar stories of unusual encounters and disappearances. After reading many missing 411 accounts and the profile of disappearances, I believe I narrowly averted being snatched by whatever that thing was. I do not think it was the woman I saw. I think it was something different, which I could not see. Yeah, he even says, you know, he even says, like, I don't believe that that really was a woman, which is what I believe, too. I mean, I think that whatever these things are, you know, if they do, if all of this is real and they do have the ability to just plop down and take us, then, of course, they have the ability to to mask as another being or to you know, hide in plain sight because they would have to for this to be, to be still such a topic that gets us into arguments at bars. That's so true. And I, I think there's a lot, there feels like a lot of parallel energy, I guess, between your experience and the one that the one about the woman in the red coat. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just makes me wonder, is it a Sasquatch is it a missing 411 case or is it 
um, a UFO abduction? Because I feel like there are aspects to all three in both of your guys' stories. Oh, like in my story too? Yeah. You think there's alien abduction aspects to it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like what? Especially okay. after reading uh, Sight Unseen, Science, UFO, Invisibility, and Transgenic Beings by Bud Hopkins and Carol Rainey. I think a lot of what you talk about actually, you know, according to them, they might say that that is a potential abduction experience that's worth regressive mm. hypnosis to find out. Interesting. You know, you know, David Polites, you said basically that, you know, my one of my big complaints with his books, which I have a lot, but one of them was that he won't just you know, like, take a stand. He won't say what he thinks all this is. And it's very clear that he probably has an idea about why these are all so similar, you know, because that's why he's writing this entire series. And he's also a very big Bigfoot believer and has written books on Sasquatch. So the theory, and Stella said it too, is that he he probably thinks it's Sasquatch and just doesn't want to come out and say it. And I think that's childish. (laughs) (laughs) So... I mean, I feel like we have to back up just one second and explain mm-hmm. that David Politis mm-hmm. is the author of the Missing 411 books, and he is the retired police officer who started investigating um, missing person cases that fit a certain criteria, and he noticed that after he had collected uh, so many cases originally around the national parks that certain clusters and certain patterns started to um, appear, so he published a book based on those criteria. Um, to just say, hey, these people are going missing and we don't know why. Um, we can't explain what's going on. And this is why these cases are a little bit bizarre. And, uh, you know, so Mel yeah, is taking a stand that he he actually goes out of his way. He goes out of his way to never speculate and mm-hmm. say, you know, what he thinks is behind all of the disappearances. Yeah, and he, which it felt like a cop-out when I was reading it, he spends a lot of time encouraging the reader to do their own research based on his statistics and research because really all he has the research he has is a police report because there's no more than that you know he hasn't done more in-depth research on each individual uh missing case he just he just kind of lumps them together i obviously have a couple issues with this book and we'll talk about that later but well i actually would like to give a quick defense of of him because I, I don't agree with you. I, I don't agree no? with you on no, I don't agree with you about him. Um, I think that what he does do, that he is a researcher and he is collecting he's he's attempting to collect the list of names and cases that he tried to demand from the forestry service that the forestry service said they you know, it would cost thousands of dollars to compile it so freedom of information request is denied so he's like he he's creating that list of cases that he wants to get his hands on basically like the the time that he spent a lot of time uh trying to just compile these all into one place and i think what he does for some of the families is he investigates these and he eliminates um possibilities that he he helps to eliminate and narrow down you know, I, I think his whole claim about missing 411 is to say, instead of saying this is what happened, he's saying these things did not happen. You know, these missing cases yeah. are not a result of a hunting accident or a wild animal or, you know, what have you. Yeah. Can I just make one comment and not to mm-hmm. be too argumentative? But no, please, let's argue I, about it. I do think that 
you know, I think that the Forest Service is probably tired of dealing with politis. Oh, is I it politis yeah. or politi? Definitely, because they're just people. It's politis. Yeah. Um, I, I truly, I, you know, I haven't worked for the Forest Service or the National Park, but I worked in science and ecology and in a university that partnered with, an, like, I, I've, I've been in it. I'm an ecologist and uh, I would firmly believe that the, the Forest Service or the National Park System themselves does not have a record of missing people. Like he says, yeah, because absolutely. that's what they said. I fully believe that because they're they're a park service, and when something goes, if something happens up to a certain level of you know like crime or violence, they call the police. They they call the police in that county, yeah. and the mm-hmm. local police deal with it. So mm-hmm. I can see like, and I think that he uses that that they told him that. I think he uses that and what you know these other things that they've told him and he i think he's trying to villainize them a little bit and it makes me a little touchy i just i don't think he needs to villainize anyone in the search for this information so can i can i presume to speak for you because i think that i am gonna eat i'm gonna presume to eat a gummy worm yeah absolutely (laughs) please by all means i think that i feel like i've put my finger on what the issue that you have with him and i think it's that you bought the book with the presumption and understanding that, you know, you bought the books from his series to read them, assuming that there was some kind of conclusion promised or some kind of speculation promised. And that I also think that the issue that you have is the same issue that a lot of the readers and uh, I guess fans or, or people that are interested in his work, that they all kind of have the same problem that based on the interviews that he's done for Coast to Coast AM and other sources that it it's a little bit misleading the way that he talks about the book and he he seems to always allude back while he's telling these stories he, he yeah. says you'll have to just look at the book to see what I have to say yes, about it yes that's exactly and, it and so yeah so it's a lack of integrity i i think it's a lack of integrity as a writer and researcher and i think that that is the issue that you have with him at the end of the day yes that is a big part of it i can i give my little tiny spiel i was summarizing yeah. in my brain mm-hmm. while you were talking cuz you totally hit it it's that I think his credibility is a little ruined. And I think that there's a re- there's a couple reasons that this happens for me. And you're right. It's the reason that he always points back to his books, you know, and he points. He's like, just look at my research. And his research is a curating, which is fine. Like, he doesn't have to be a groundbreaking Nobel scientist winning guy, you know, journalist to uh, win my attention. But that's a little disappointing. And then the... The writing in this these books, and I all respect to David Politis. I know you're not you you weren't trained as a writer. You were a police officer who's just doing this, you know, as a hobby basically. But the writing is so hard to read in this book that I, the very first time we read it before we even thought about starting this podcast, I bought this book and I had to put it down about a chapter in, because the writing is so clunky and miserable and confusing. I mean, you just you're. You'll spend a whole a whole half hour trying to comprehend a page because you have to keep going back and forth. So that lost a lot of credibility for me. And I think that might be the reason it's self-published, which also has credibility issues for me. 
So go on. Yeah, he, he tries to make this point that, you know, he has to self-publish his books because he's being silenced. But mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to kind of roast him for a moment mm-hmm. about that, that we actually, mm-hmm. I know when you, when, when you and I were sitting down to discuss um, episode ideas for the podcast, we said, yeah, like, should we do a missing 411? You know, because as much as we, you know, might pick on the guy, we are uh, at least... You know, I'd say somewhat of a fan. Yeah, I'm interested in the in the topic as a whole. Yeah, but um, you know, we but we decided if we were going to choose that as a topic, then we were going to have to at least read one of his books or some of his books. And I couldn't even get part way through the introduction, and uh, like because the writing is so poor that I'm not even sure what he's trying to say in some. Yeah, like it, it's not really even I'm not even quite capable of piecing it together. And I, I don't I just think that edit a little bit of editing would have gone mm-hmm. a long way. I think even somebody like me could have done it for him for pretty cheap, like not very much at all. I, I would have I would have not charged him. Very I also much. think he could have very easily collaborated with someone who was a writer, mm-hmm. you know, and had them basically co co-writer edit for him because the structure of the book is confusing as well you know I was looking I have the very first book the east coast edition and we were looking for local stories we were in Kentucky and we were wanting to find something around us and I found you know our state but the way they're organized is very odd and he draws conclusion from all different types of data sets he he lines up the ages and dates of everyone from every county or state or region no matter what point he's trying to make so there's not a ton of fluidity or um what's the scientific freaking word i'm looking for um where you do the same thing over and over repetition okay you know because that's a big part of science is like you need to be able to repeat Mm -hmm. it over and over again and he's not repeating anything he's just he's kind of grasping in and that's fine because you're supposed he you you should look for patterns and everything but a lot of it just i think was underwhelming and there were not like as I was reading the book the book is basically broken into individual cases and they're probably like three quarters to a page long each Mm -hmm. um and they're pretty bland you know and by the time the way he writes and the way it's because he won't take a stand that by the end by the end of the article you're like so the guy disappeared like, you don't even think anything weird happened. Like, you're not even thinking about missing 411 anymore. You're just thinking about how how does a guy in 1946 go missing? Like, like what, what was he doing? What was so entertaining in the woods? Like, you're thinking about something totally random. You're not – he doesn't get his point across is what I'm trying to say. Um, I'm wondering, uh, do you have the criteria that he actually uses? Yes, that's what I was going to yeah, pull up. Yeah, if you could pull that up. So, um, so I've – yeah. I'll read the criteria and I'll explain them a little bit. So um, there are different criteria for each area. In every book, he he tinkers with it a little bit because it, you know, corresponds to location. But these are the general criteria for everywhere. Um, So the first one is point of separation. There's always a a point where the victim or what should we say, missing person, Mm -hmm. uh, separates from their group, obviously, because that's how they get lost. So uh, the time of disappearance, most of the cases happen in the mid to late afternoon. Uh, Boulder fields are a common presence. Um, I guess 
he specifically mentions granite, granite. fields in the west like I that's when he's that. talking about the western so i wonder like i was talking about my case i was in like there were definitely boulders but they weren't granite I don't that's think. what i after you went go through the list i want to ask you how Sorry, many yeah. how many are um, no problem another one is near water um the victims are either found or have gone missing near bodies of water uh there's always a weather event either you know preceding proceeding that makes sense. Proceeding. Yeah. Proceeding and proceeding the event or during the search. So that usually hinders the search, you know, like a snowstorm or a thunderstorm or whatever. Um, the victim often has a disability or illness. Um, canines are often unable to track the scent or refuse to track the scent. So that's kind of freaky. That's the one that always makes me, like, scratch my head a little bit. Uh, they are often found, if they are found, in an area that was previously searched by search and rescue and he points out that that's not he doesn't blame search and rescue but it's weird you know it shouldn't happen right. it implies that they're being picked up and put back i think or um, that they've there's... left and come back or yes. just essentially they weren't there yesterday <clears throat> and they're here today exactly uh they're usually missing clothing especially shoes and you know paradoxical paradoxical dressing undressing undressing gosh paradoxical undressing is usually cited as the case for this and i Believe that 50% of the time, usually. Sometimes it's like, yeah, it was June and it was 70 degrees out. They weren't hypothermic. Those are the kind of cases where I'm like, okay, you're denying a little something there. But also, I think that and just in that very, just a, just a nitpick, sure. um, I, I think it, it only has to be like 60 degrees outside and the person be in wet clothing. I oh, think, for sure. I think that'd be enough yeah. for them to succumb. Oh, you're completely right. There's... That's the thing about all these cases is like one wrong turn and everything could have gone to shit for that person. So, God, that sound is so disrespectful. One wrong turn and you go missing. <laughs> okay, so uh, I hate my Beavis and Butthead laugh. Uh, two more. Uh, the last two, uh, unknown cause of death. So usually if they do find the person, that they're unable to tell why they died. I'm remembering one of the cases... This woman who went missing picking mushrooms in Utah and she was found face down in the water completely naked. All of her clothes were gone. They never found them. And uh, she didn't have any bruising. You know, they found her in the water and then the the what's the guy do? The mortician. What's his report called? His uh, coroner's report. Coroner's report. Autopsy report. The autopsy report. Uh, didn't cite a cause of death. It said that they had not drowned. So how did that person die? They're face down in a stream. You know, it's just really weird. Um, anyway, the last one is geographical clustering. So he claims that these things happen in clusters that have meaning. And that's what he does in his books. A lot of times he tries to, you know, through numbers or times or ages or dates, he tries to create meaning in these clusters. So those are the, uh, 10 criteria, 11 criteria, sorry. So, um, what are your thoughts? So now that you've reviewed the criteria, um, I'm just wondering, are you willing to go on record and say that you think that Bigfoot is the answer? To missing four one one? Yes. No. Okay. Because 
he has come out since in a documentary and said that he thinks some of this on the West Coast is due to time lapse, time travel. He thinks it has something to do with time and dimensions and portals. So that's why I'm confused because, like, he's not, he obviously has several theories and he's not pointing to any of them. And that seems shady. It seems money grabby. Or, I don't, I don't know. Like, it seems, I just don't, I guess I just don't see an intent. I don't see how it helps the families. I don't see how it creates a new theory. It just stirs up shit. I mean, I still want to read it because I still want to read it because I love stuff that stirs up shit, but that was going to be my next question because I was listening to you and then I was thinking, but wait, I thought she loves missing 411 cases. Like at least, yeah, you know, loves reading about them. Not that we're happy that that would happen to anybody. Yeah. And I bought the book before we even decided, to, I mean, like a whole year before we even thought about this podcast. So I tried, and I tried to read it. I really did. I even bought a bookmark. I thought that would help. But uh, but I couldn't get through it. And then I, when we were researching for this, I honestly just skimmed episodes. Or episodes, God. I skimmed uh, stories or cases that were local to us. You know, Kentucky. We think we're going to focus later on the Smoky Mountain Cluster, right? So we'll have to look more into that. But uh, I don't know where we were going. <laughs> where were you going? Um, I just, you know, I'm just thinking of a bunch of questions that I want to ask. Like, I just want to get your take so on. So do you want me to say how many of those uh, criteria my experience meets? Oh, Just would, for fun. Yeah, for the record, I don't, I don't think that I experienced. I, I don't think I was close to this happening. I don't think I was in any real danger. I just think that something was playing mind games with me. Okay. Do you um, think that it go. was a do you think it was a Bigfoot encounter? I do. I think it was a Sasquatch encounter. Okay. I think that I was zapped with infrasound and that I had a panic response. I don't presume to know why or how or what the intent of the creature was or anything about it. You know, it could have been another cryptid. That can use infrasound for all I know. And which, like we talked about, the the whole infrasound thing is not unprecedented or undocumented no. in other, you know, like it's it's well Yeah, other predators and use seen. this okay. for so, the intent yeah. to hunt. Okay, so it's it's within the realm of yeah. reality. And that's my criteria for accepting all Sasquatch beliefs. I do believe in Sasquatch. I'm not firm in how I believe it exists. I don't I don't I don't know whether I believe it to be an ape or a supernatural thing. I don't think it's an alien thing, um, but that's why I'm kind of vague about all of it because I haven't pinned down my own beliefs. I don't want people to think I'm being vague on purpose. Um, but when I'm when I'm evaluating something like, do I think this is Sasquatch? I I try to come at it with logic that I know to have been proven and not here. This will play into it. Not just something that another researcher tells me is true because now I'm looking back at some other experiences and thinking um, that doesn't seem kosher. Interesting. So, in terms of my experience, I'm just going to run down the list in the same order. I was, you know, by myself, so there was a point of separation, but I guess that was when my mom left for work that morning. It was a summer morning. I was home from school. 
for the summer. So uh, no one else was in my house. I think my little sister and my dad were both at work. Okay, so that's one. Yeah, one. Uh, time of disappearance, it was, you know, mid-afternoon. It was probably like one to two. I guess I'd call that mid. It's almost there. It's close enough to say that's two. Uh, boulder fields, you know, if we're counting limestone boulders. Yeah, would it be granite? Is what he said. That's what he says in the west, on the west coast. Okay. Which is like a Rocky Mountain feature the is granite. Side. But I think that limestone okay. in the Appalachians, I think this might be a common feature. Okay. So that's okay, three. Yeah. Near water, four. I was hiking yeah. along Creek the whole time and along the Susquehanna River, which is huge. Um, a weather event, five, there was uh, a thunderstorm and lightning. Um, disability or illness, despite mental illness, I did not have any illnesses. Uh, I just have anxiety. Like, I'm not I'm not bipolar yeah, no or, shade. like, schizophrenic. Like, I didn't imagine this. Um, but who doesn't have anxiety? Fight me. Yeah. Um, canines can't track. Does not apply because the Iowa did not go missing. Um, found in an area. Yeah, I didn't go missing. Missing clothing, you know, I did take off my jacket, but that was because I was hot and I didn't nah. want to wear a rain jacket. That doesn't count. Um, unknown cause of death doesn't count. Clustering uh, might count because Pennsylvania yeah. is itself a giant cluster. Uh, during the break, we actually uh, looked it up. So uh, the place that I was hiking is called, well, maybe I shouldn't call it out in location. I'm afraid people will, I don't know if anyone will actually go there and fuck shit up, but. Give us a region. <clears throat> yeah, I'll say the uh, the lower Susquehanna um, approaching the Maryland line. I was in a, a recreational area there. Um, there, It's in kind of a three-county, like it's a tri-county area. I just wanted to say that. Tri-county area. Um, where York County, Lancaster County, and uh, in Pennsylvania, and Hartford County, Maryland all meet. You know, so it's on the state line. Um, it's actually the place I was at was seven miles away from the Maryland line. So I looked up uh, in my research. I tried to find Sasquatch sightings uh, in each county just to see if there was any, you know, credibility to this. And I found quite a bit of informa interesting information. I totally ruined that. And I found quite a bit of interesting information. Indeed. Indeed. There are three Class A cases. One of them is kind of interesting. Six people witnessed a large, dark animal run away on two legs. So that's kind of cool. I oh, completely that's creepy. Yeah, I completely disregard the skeptic theory that bears are running away on two legs. I just want to point that out right away. Bears are are capable of standing up on two legs and walking. Yeah, it is something they are trained to do or do when they are like doing other activities like climbing trees or, you know, trying to get something out of a tree. They definitely don't run like that. What? They definitely don't run like that. No, they do not run like that. Yeah, they and they do not up. run. If you saw a bear running on two legs, it would not look like a bipedal human or ape running on two legs. Like it would look weird. I mean, they'd be walking like a big pregnant woman. Be like waddling. Whoa, yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just I just had to come out with that because I, yeah, I'm absolutely. defending it. Um, so yeah, lots of evidence right. that what I experienced might have been a Sasquatch. I don't know. I'm not going to come out and claim that it was because it was so, it was years after until I even came to the idea that it might have been a Sasquatch. You know, I just 
for years I just blew it off. And afterwards I didn't even remember it. Like I didn't even, I didn't go home and tell anyone. I didn't think it was remarkable because I had been in the woods all my life and I knew that sometimes you just get those feelings. And now I look back and wonder if any of them were, were like this cryptid related, but it is possible that some of them are, are really true. I was near predators because I did live in a place with black bears and mountain lions. So, so what do you make of, um, what do you make of the red coat woman story mm. then? Yeah, I think the broken branches, uh, along the trail that he mentioned in his story are something I see a lot. When people are talking about their experiences, you know, and these, of course, are only people who think they have avoided experiences. They're not the actual victims. A lot of times, even if people are found alive, they, a lot of times it's children and they can't recall what happened to them. Um, sometimes it's adults who can't recall what happened to them. So, now see, I don't think that... Uh, the red coat lady is a missing 411 case. So, I, I mean, if I had to come down on one side or the other. Oh, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I don't think so either because I have no idea what it is. Um, I was going to say, how creepy is it to think that, you know, if this is a missing 411 case, which this man kind of presumes it to be, how creepy is it that what's not happening to these people <clears throat> You know, they're not just wandering into the woods and dying or my theory, which was, you know, accidentally wandering into another dimension, you know, and not finding their way back. The this guy's theory instead is that there are beings cloaking themselves as people who just overtake you and do whatever it is that is done to you. I mean, how freakish is that? Like, that's. That's horrifying. That's even more horrible than walking into another dimension or like just dying of hypothermia. I mean, that is some horror movie material right there. I'm telling you, in that book, Sight Unseen, um, they go through like a hundred pages worth of talking about that kind of uh, talking about all of this technology just so that you feel <coughs> somewhat like mentally and emotionally ready to discuss mm -hmm. the possibility that aliens have the ability to hijack your um, whole central nervous system and take you over. Yeah. Um, and they actually cited as an example um, this hornet from Costa Rica. I forget what it was called, but it... it preys on the an, on an orb weaving spider and this orb weaving spider actually um, on, left to its own devices builds a web of a very uh, complicated and certain structure but when a wasp one of these parasitic wasps lands on the spider um, the spider actually weaves a completely different web after a few days Mm -hmm. It plants an egg on the spider. The egg feeds off of the spider and the parasite's born. And it actually controls the spider's movements so that it creates a, a web strong enough for the wasp to uh, use as a structure or something. Weird. And then the, and then the larva consumes the spider at the wow. end. 
Wow, that's insane. And nature, can I just say one side note, nature is fucking metal. It is, it really um, is. And it's beautiful at the same time. How cool that a hornet has evolved can I through millions of years to, to I, use spiders. I, they actually, uh, <clears throat> when they were studying these wasps, they watched one implant the egg on the spider and they watched it start to change the pattern to the the structure that the wasp wanted it to make and um, they plucked the egg off of the abdomen of the spider and after an hour or two it stopped weaving that pattern and went reverted back to its original pattern mm. so it is like a direct control over the nervous system mm -hmm. that's awesome the thought is that um, it's possibly chemical signals mm -hmm. that are doing it Somehow. I mean, yeah, what else could we say it is? I mean, I don't know. That's my first thought. I was going to say it. There, there is another hornet I've heard of that does that, but not to that level. They just, they think they do it with like a caterpillar, maybe, mm -hmm. where they like inject their babies in it and then the babies live in the caterpillar and make it eat certain stuff and then the babies hatch and they eat it. And when you get really, really deep in the UFO, the UFO rabbit hole, that's where you end up. Mm. You know, you end up with um, these reports that this is what the aliens are doing. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's, it's really wild. I thought it was crazy. They actually took so long in the book to like mentally prepare you for what they were going to drop on you because it's really disturbing to think about. Um, I think in particular why the red why the red jacket lady story is so compelling is because it has so many features to it that are uncanny. You know, it's just not quite right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, this lady is out of place. She doesn't seem to have a group or anybody around. She's dressed like she just walked out of a department store. Mm -hmm. She doesn't belong there. She somehow is able to move quickly and silently. And, and appear to be walking. Like, remember, she, she appeared to be walking but was moving like she was on a treadmill. Yeah. It's like she's being projected. It's like she's straight up just a projection of a, like a, you know, like a visual projection that doesn't have any reality. You're right. It's uncanny. And that's what I was trying to get to it the whole time or my thoughts were trying to get to, I think is that um, something's just not right about it. And that's a feeling that accompanies a lot of this kind of activity, like any paranormal thing, you just get this really intense gut feeling that something's not right. And that's your reptile brain picking up all kinds of cues that your conscious brain can't, you know, feed to you all at once. And um, it's really scary to see your brain in action like that. And how about that chilling description that he gives of the look on her mm. face when he kind of calls her out non-verbally? Yeah, won't look. She didn't look look him directly in the eyes. And it, it was like saying that she had like an up-tilted eyes off to the side. Oh, it's giving like, me chills and it's making me like almost yeah, get teary-eyed. Like it freaks me out. She was giving him this evil side eye. You know, and then you think, is it a projection? Like, what is it projecting? What is it really? What really happened? And, you know, where did it come from? 
Was it there waiting for, for him specifically? Was it there just waiting for one person to... Because sometimes... <clears throat> oh, God, excuse me. <coughs> We're going to have to cut all this out. Give me one second. No problem. Sometimes I feel that with missing 411 cases, it seems as if they literally looked away, especially the children cases, they looked away for from their child for five minutes, which in reality is nothing. I don't... No parent shaming here. Like, people... Don't look at their kids for five minutes all the time. <laughs> like, well, there, you know, cribs, houses, places are safe. And, like, a lot of these kids go missing with trusted chaperones, you know, and they're they're, un- they're unattended for less than two minutes before they're completely gone. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I know in one case with, a, with one two-year-old, it was as simple as just turning the corner around yes. the RV. Yeah, you know, literally just disappeared around the corner. And that that seems to be more often the case <clears throat> that it's something like that. You know, that it's like just out of sight. And that's just, just around the next. So like I was saying, in these cases, it seems like they're they're looking away for a split second and then people are gone. And it it must, you know, it must make sense then that this, this is premeditated, that they're whatever is doing this, if it is something we're going off the theory that this is that this is an intelligent creature abducting people for whatever intention, we're not worried about that now, Um, is, you know, it has to have been watching you. It has to have been waiting for an opportunity to seize you. And (sighs) that is the most terrifying thing. It makes me not want to walk in the forest, which I do all the time anyway. No, thank you. But, you know, that's, that's the scariest part about it, I think. Is the fact that it it has to see you, because it it can't it can't just <laughs> you know what I mean. If it is a Bigfoot, if it, if it is a Bigfoot, Bigfoots I don't think don't have the ability to just snatch you and be gone in an instant, like literally snap your fingers and gone. I mean they're fast, but they're not. I guess quotes and quotes. We're talking about all kinds of mythical things, so but um doesn't make any sense to me. Well, the more that you talk about it and the more that I think about it, I'm starting to maybe come around that this could potentially, maybe it doesn't feel like a missing 411 case because it was interrupted. Exactly. Before it became one. Like maybe it's a perspective that we don't usually get. Maybe the end result is like they searched the area and he was never found or he was found uh, two weeks later and he had been dead for three days and he was in the same area mm-hmm. that he was left, you know? I don't know. I think the weirdest part, too, is that his girlfriend wasn't too far away. Yeah. So, I mean, she was only 20 feet, like, what I think it was 20 feet, he said, in front of her. <clears throat> That's a little suspicious. Suspicious. I just wonder why it it has, why this story in particular has so many elements that really point equally towards, like, UFOs and Bigfoot. It's like okay. too much. Now I have fully comprehended the thought that I wanted to say to you. And I'm okay, trying cool. to latch onto it as hard as Perfect. I can. Perfect. Yeah. Even cut everything out in between. The 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 reason that I'm inclined to believe these these online stories that I read, especially Reddit, I'm not just saying I only get my sources from Reddit, but um is because there's the demon horses again, god damn it. So there's horses in the, there's a farm uh, right outside of our neighborhood 
we can hear them at night neighing, and they sound like demon horses. Oh yeah, with hooves of fire ready to the veterinary scoop farm. Us up. <clears throat> it's a horse horse veterinary. It's yes. where all the where all the race horses go get their medical treatments done. Yeah, it's pretty pretty glamorous. Just yeah. kidding, it's a horse farm. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so all you know, I'm inclined to believe a lot of these stories because they do read to me as if you you almost were taken. You know, you almost were a victim of a missing 411 case. Okay. You know, and these, they all, it's like a subsect of missing 411 cases because they themselves almost seem to have criteria. And it, you know, it it makes sense when you think about it. It's all the criteria that you experience when you see anything paranormal. You know, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You get a gut feeling that something isn't right. You get turned around and your sense of direction is completely gone and you find yourself lost and walking in circles. Um, and then there's the paranormal weird stuff specific to this kind of thing, like trees being knocked over over top of your trail or pets reacting really badly to unseen things off the trail. So, The thing that bothers me the most about the Reddit story Mm-hmm. is that it has all of these elements of both of UFO abduction and a Bigfoot encounter. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's too much. Like it's it strains yeah. credulity. And that's what I, I guess that's what I was saying too, is like the the encounter, it's not the, not, the aspects of the encounter often overlap. There is a ton of overlap between Bigfoot encounter stuff and ufo encounter stuff and really i think so i think so i think otherworldly stuff makes our human bodies react the same it's absolutely kind of groundbreaking to me you think so yeah that is absolutely groundbreaking. maybe it's an unfounded me. opinion maybe it doesn't no, make any it, sense i have so many more questions and i want to dive deeper into oh god this. because i'm probably not that well sourced oh i i mean it just it kind of opens up like a whole new avenue of research it's a brand new rabbit hole for me to go down and for that i thank you and that's all for this week so stay tuned next time when we're going to talk about bigfoot encounters and mel's adventures with her sasquatch hunting group Mm, it's gonna be great uh yeah so don't forget to rate and review us on apple podcasts check out our patreon everything under the moon and our instagram at everything under the moon podcast We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good night.